is quite a responsibility because on one hand, you need to make sure that only quality contributions get in. But on the other hand, you want to be nice to people. I want people to be excited about programming, first of all, but also be excited about participating. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. All right, I have the privilege of being joined today by Ev Consovoy, one of the creators of Teleport. Ev, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. So, uh, Ev, we, we have lots we could discuss. I Normally, we want to cover the origin story for Teleport, and I, I know some of it, but I uh, would love to hear the nitty-gritty. But first, maybe you can tell us what Teleport is to give everyone context on what we're discussing. Absolutely. So Teleport is an open source tool that engineers use to access their cloud resources. And cloud resources means SSH servers, Kubernetes clusters, databases, whatever you have inside of your cloud accounts. So it's basically a much more modern replacement for something like SSHD, but except unlike SSHD, it speaks more protocols than SSH. And it gives you a lot of this modern access practices like SSO, second factor, unified audit log, web UI, and a bunch of other things that engineers expect to have and enjoy these days. Perfect. And you've been kind of noodling on this, this kind of problem space for some time. Tell us the story of how Teleport came to be and feel free to go back as far as you'd like, because we, we'd love to hear your story as well. <laughs> uh, of course. Look, I, I love going back. So I started my career as a like I was building applications that today you would call them desktop, right? Like you would have something like Windows NT or like some other operating system and you would be building applications that run on a single computer. And uh, I enjoyed it. The process was that you're sitting in front of a box, right? So you have your keyboard connected to it and you're just typing in instructions, you're creating your software and then it runs on this machine. So it's a very instant experience. So you make something and you see it live. It starts walking in front of you. It was awesome. But then we started building things to run on, on the internet. And if you're just starting, it's, uh, it feels similar. So you also have a single box and it's somewhere in the data center. And that box, in, instead of uh, throwing pixels at you, it basically has a HTTP protocol that you would use to build um, web UI. But then as your application grows and it becomes more complex, it starts like spreading, goes from one box to many boxes. And then you start using all kinds of middleware components and you have databases and Redis cache, and then you have Elasticsearch, and then you have multiple regions and multiple cloud accounts even sometimes. So it gets crazier and crazier and crazier and the fun of interacting with it kind of just goes away. So this is kind of on a personal level, what I've been observing with cloud computing. Uh, meanwhile, as your application is growing to consume more and more and more of these components, how do you access those components? Like that intimacy of having a keyboard and the mouse plugged into the same machine where everything you need runs on. I call it local host experience. Local host experience is less and less relevant today. Even to build applications now, you basically need all of these cloud resources. 
And to recreate that intimate experience, that's really what we wanted to do with Teleport. So if you just imagine that all of these cloud accounts, all of these VPCs and availability zones and regions, all of that stuff is like one giant computer and your internet is your USB cable. Yeah. How can we make that experience to connecting to this one giant computer, connecting into the matrix like in the movie? That's why we built Teleport. So it's a way for engineers to have instant access to everything they have inside of their cloud accounts. And that's also why it's open source. In fact, Teleport was originally not created as a business. It was almost a side project of ours. It did not have a price tag. It did not have a commercial license. It was just the product of love that we've created because we wanted this experience to be true. But then over time, companies that figured out that the way Teleport does security, the way Teleport does access controls, it's incredibly appealing to them as well. So that's kind of how this business was born. So we started building something to make programming easier, to make building cloud applications easier, and ended up being in this security and access and compliance space. And a lot of companies now paying us money because paradoxically, while Teleport is extremely easy to use, it also happens to be... um, Basically, uh, it's like a consolidation of industry best practices for access that you can just download and run. So that's the story. Got it. And you have a personal passion for this, but you didn't do it alone, right? How did the team come together to build Teleport? So the team that built Teleport, we actually, it's, it's our second project we're working on together. So originally, we started assembling the team around 2009, 2010. So we were working on a company called Mailgun. It was uh, email delivery in the cloud. Because early clouds, they all kind of sucked. Like the first first version of everything always sucks. So um, the uh, EC2 and AWS in the early days, they didn't have the ability to send or receive uh, email traffic. SMTP was blocked. So we figured we'll solve this problem for early cloud pioneers. So we built this company called Mailgun, which is still around. It's doing really, really well. So I'm very proud of that. And uh, then we got acquired by Rackspace, one of the cloud providers. And in the process of growing Mailgun team, in the process of growing Mailgun, so we witnessed how complex cloud environments become over time. For example, just migrating Mailgun infrastructure from one hosting provider to Rackspace took us many months. That's what complexity does for you. You can't even move around your workloads. And uh, so the dissatisfaction with this growing complexity started there. And then once we were at Rockspace, we kept thinking and thinking about what we can do to reduce that complexity, to make applications run ideally everywhere by themselves. And it just so happens that the access problem is number one problem you need to solve if you want to enable this uh, simple computing. I crave for simple computing in the cloud, and the team here does too. Got it. So, so you you're with this group um, doing Mailgun. You you go to Rackspace, yeah, and then the, the band gets back together to work on something that eventually has a side project called Teleport, and Teleport takes on a life of its own. That is pretty much true. So we wanted when we were at Rackspace, we wanted to figure out can we make applications run in fully autonomous mode? If you picture. Um, like your laptop, right? So the laptop has, it's actually a very complex machine. It has a lot of complexity in it too. And it has a lot of applications. You probably have many, many millions lines of code and written all kinds of languages running on your laptop all the time. And then an interesting thing is like, 
you get software update. Is it Apple or Microsoft? So one of those operating system vendors, they do a software update where you get new version of everything. And all of this happens without any DevOps people, right? But if you look at this from, if you can zoom out and see what is actually going on, how is it different when Apple runs software update to Apple's versus doing a cloud deployment? It's actually pretty awesome. So they are deploying a software to millions, maybe even billions, I don't know, of servers scattered all over the world over untrusted connection, over unreliable connection. And all of this happens without DevOps people managing these boxes. That's pretty amazing. So we wanted to build a similar technology for data centers. And that project was called Gravity and Teleport came out from that. So we wanted software to be able to run by itself without any DevOps teams globally. And in order to make it so, we realized that if you want to run it everywhere, then you need to actually enable secure connectivity to everywhere first, right? Because how it even gets there, that's the number one problem you need to address. And that's where Teleport came from. Converting, again, all of these clouds, converting these different form factors of compute into a single seamless environment, that's the first step towards it. That's what Teleport is. So you put Teleport on your infrastructure and it starts to feel like it's all in the same room with you. That's why it was called Teleport. So yeah, I encourage everyone to go and play with it. It's a, it's a single binary. It's a, you could run it as a Linux daemon. You could stick it into a Kubernetes pod. I have my own, uh, well, company is paying for it, but I have a rack, half a rack of equipment in a Fremont data center here nearby. And I have another one uh, in my house. So I have Teleport running everywhere and it feels like I have all of the servers with me all the time. So it's pretty nice. You mentioned something earlier I think we need to dig into. You said that this was a protocol aware solution because I think many of us have experienced, you know, resources behind a VPN or something. We've we've requested mm-hmm. access to that VPN and, and thus the resource. But you're describing something different and I'm not sure we've kind of captured the nuance here. What do you mean by protocol aware? Yeah, let's get technical. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so if you think of what is the best way to implement access, right? So you have, let's just use like databases or SSH servers as an example. Like Teleport could support additional resources, but I like those two because we all use databases and we all use SSH. So when you try to connect into, like, let's say, Postgres database, or you try to connect into um, a Linux box, the SSH, how do you authenticate? Like, how does that machine or that box knows that you are who you claim you are? And there are basically two approaches to that. So one of them is to use some kind of shared secret. So the simplest form of it is username and password. And we all have agreed that it's basically not a good idea to use those because people tend to reuse passwords. So then... The most of the time today, most organizations and teams, they use a slightly more advanced version of it based on keys. So you have, you know, public private key, something like that. But that's still a shared secret. That's also can be stolen. So it's basically anti-pattern. Another anti-pattern that people frequently employ is reliance on perimeter security. So if you have a database, for example, and let's say it's listening on two sockets, one of them is a socket on local host, or it could be a local network. So if you're connecting to a local network, like there is no password, there is no encryption. Why? Because I'm on my own VPC. Like I trust everyone who's on the same VPC. So a zero trust movement. The purpose of that movement is to eliminate that. You should not be relying on perimeter security and every resource needs to think that I'm on a public internet. Anyone can try to connect. 
So that's another thing that people oftentimes rely on is perimeter security. And a third solution to access is organizations now realizing, well, we have a lot of servers, we have a lot of databases, we have a lot of apps and environments, and we have these teams that are distributed, which is cut access to as many people as possible. Like no access is the new default. So in combination of those three things, shared credentials, perimeter security, and bureaucracy, that's really what it is. That's the state of access in most organizations. So not only it pisses people off, but it's also not awfully secure because I can look into an organization like those five people are allowed to access to production. All right, they're going to hack into their laptops, get their keys, and then they get access to everything. So that is what Teleport solves. Teleport basically says, no, no form of shared credentials ever. Instead, Teleport relies on uh, your identity that you have within the company. So when you show up for work and you authenticate via something like uh, Active Directory or some organizations use Google Apps and smaller teams might be happy with just GitHub, right? You go authenticate against GitHub and you have that credential. So Teleport brings this down to the protocol level. What it means uh, is that you try to use a command line like psql or you try to type ssh or kubectl if you're using kubernetes so once you try to run these commands teleport will check if you authenticate it against your identity with, for your company if you're not then it will ask you go and do the sso dance with multi-factor and all of that but then once you are authenticated teleport will create a, a certificate for, we believe that only certificate-based access should be allowed. And we implement certificate-based authentication and authorization. And we can talk about difference on a protocol level. So we bake you a certificate for SSH. And that's how you access SSH machines. And then we make you a certificate for Kubernetes or for a database. And that's how you access those. And the difference between certificate and a shared credentials is very simple. Certificate is unique to you. So the resource you ask, like you're accessing, like server, for example, it will know that you're Eric, you're not Ev. You're not hiding behind some kind of alias like admin or a dev, because a lot of these shared credentials, they share it for a reason, like they have very generic names, and which allows these resources to make decisions to grant or deny certain actions to you based on who you are. So that means your authorization is now based on identity as well. And it also allows you to have extremely detailed audit for example, when you try to run a sudo command in the middle of SSH session, Teleport might actually say, you know what, you need additional permissions for that. So that capability was not even possible before. Or if you're trying to drop a SQL table, like another like, obviously dangerous operation, like you gotta use your YubiKey one more time just because you're about to drop a SQL table. That's what Teleport enables. It, it's basically extremely easy to use thing. It, like you don't have to change anything but you're getting the state-of-the-art access technology for all protocols that we support. And that is how Teleport is fundamentally different from anything else that's out there. Thank you for clarifying the nuance. These are good examples, the, the pseudo command, dropping the SQL table. Do, do users then kind of specify the things that they think are sensitive? Does Teleport just kind of come out of the box with like, we know, we know dropping SQL is, is, is probably something you want to, to care about how does someone tell teleport this is the stuff that needs approval for and and who to go to approval for 
Well, that's uh, software engineers do. So when you design your stack and you decide, okay, we're going to be using uh, Linux, then we're going to put Kubernetes on top, then we're going to use uh, Postgres, for example. So all of these things you need to decide ahead of time what is privileged operation, what is not privileged operation. So then you have to rely on something that we've all been familiar for, like role-based access control. You have to say, okay, so I, I need to have roles that are privileged or not privileged, and I need to assign these roles to people in your organization. And you can do that using even GitHub. Like, you know, in GitHub, you can create teams, basically creating groups. And for different groups, then you can define permissions. So to create groups, you use identity management. Like I already said, Active Directory, Google Apps, GitHub, whatever allows you to create teams and groups of engineers and assign memberships. But then in Teleport, you then go take these groups and you specify which actions are allowed or not allowed for these groups for individual resources that Teleport supports. And then what Teleport will do, as I already said, so we will enforce certificate-based access, but we will also utilize native access controls of that particular resource so it basically means that's what uh, we put into that uh, phrase that I often uh, use, that we bring identity down to protocol level. It means that your group memberships from Active Directory will go all the way on the wire, all the way to database. And database will see, oh, you're a member of a different group and you're getting access denied. But if you want to insist that I need to have access, maybe because uh, there's this mission-critical ticket that I need to troubleshoot. Then you can request access right there in the middle of a session, and like your team will be able to approve or deny you access like using something in Slack, which means that your permissions will be elevated temporarily just to do one privileged operation and then dropped back to the original level. This is why Teleport is so much better than relying on this bureaucracy where like no access means no access simply because we realize that the world is extremely dynamic and you you have to be using modern access solution that gives you exact same ability to grant or deny access. Got it. So I, I show up to work, I, I request access to do my common development and Teleport News discovers who I am. It tells the database who I am and I'm off to the races. And then as soon as I want to drop a SQL table, it's going to intercept that command and be like, whoa, you need elevated permissions. Do you want to request Correct. those? Yeah, okay. I do want yeah. to make one correction though. Like in the beginning, you said like, I show up for work and I request access to what I need. Actually, no, like things that you need access every day, by default, you have access as long as you authorize with your identity provider. Because we, it's extremely important for your access solution to be convenient. If you, if you force engineers to be inconvenienced by it, you're causing all kinds of problems. Like obviously people become less productive, but those who are a little bit more adventurous and energetic, they will build back yeah. doors into your own infrastructure. It's really hard to make all of you engineers to use archaic, so to speak, or inconvenient access methods. They will just inject SSHD into their own stack and they will create their own socket. You won't even know about it. So for my standing permissions to run queries against the test database, I don't need to request anything special. But as soon as I want to run queries against production or I want to tear down that test database, it's going to intercept my my command, tell me I need elevated privileges and give me a path to request those in in Slack or something. Got it. Exactly. 
So we try to resolve this conflict that exists across many organizations, security versus productivity. So we believe we found a way to deliver amazing security and a lot of compliance controls as well without pissing off engineers, without sacrificing any of productivity benefits. In fact, I would even argue that if you're using Teleport, you're way more productive than if you're using like standard open source tools that come with you know, Kubernetes has its own kind of access layer and the SSHD is on every server. So to start using those, you need to be creating like jump hosts and proxies and and figuring out like how to configure these like IP addresses to, to be discoverable. So with Teleport, the way it's architected, we can give you access to anything anywhere without VPNs. So we're going to take a look into documentation how to do it, but... Spoiler alert, it's based on uh, reverse tunnels. So every resource can be connected to a teleport proxy via a resource, via a reverse tunnel, which means that you can connect to things running behind NAT on someone else's infrastructure with teleport, like a self-driving vehicle or some IoT drone flying around. So all of these capabilities are going to only contribute to how productive you could be if you use teleport for access. Now, take us back to the narrative, if you will, now that we kind of understand how this all works. So you're building this uh, autonomous deployment platform you discussed earlier and release teleport kind of on the side. And we mentioned that it kind of took on a life of its own. What did that look like from like the creator's point of view? How, how do you see that there's activity around teleport that's picking up? Yeah, yeah, that was really Confusion is the word. So we initially, <laughs> I do remember I took, I think I took a call with um, a very early open source user who wanted to run Teleport on smart callers, you know, um, that you put on cows. And it was funny to me because we always talk about uh, let's treat servers like we treat cattle, like yeah. like <laughs> pets. And here we go, like actual person who's running code deployments into uh, cows. And I think the interesting thing was that someone offered us money before we even wanted Teleport to be a product. I think someone reached out and said, do you have a license? Because we want to be using it in a mission critical deployment and we want to have relationship with the vendor. So, But we continued not to take Teleport too seriously simply because it's lightweight. It's not particularly expensive. And we had this other product that we were uh, selling at the time called Gravity. So Gravity was this kind of autonomous Kubernetes cluster technology. It's also open source. It's also out there, but we don't actively uh, develop uh, and evolve this anymore. And uh, so that was quite unexpected. And then I was shocked by how mature companies were they were reaching out to us and asking questions about teleport because normally what you would expect if you have a project like this on github is you know home lab people would reach out and say hey i have my like vmware in the basement or i have like OpenStack cluster like on a bunch of raspberry Pis, and i'm tinkering with teleport i expected that but we had people like stock exchanges or silicon valley companies who just raised like a series of funding or companies that are preparing to go ipo they started reaching out to us and saying that we actually have Teleport, an open source version, and we would love to use it in production if only we had additional capabilities or integrations. Or So that was, uh, it wasn't sudden. I don't think it ever is, but I, I would say in a, in a matter of like six to eight, nine months, it became pretty clear that we have something that the world desperately needs. 
Got it. And then um, and then you started putting some some more attention on teleport. It sounds like it's been a busy kind of year for the project. What's been going on? At the end of last year, actually, that would be a year before, at the end of uh, 2019, it became absolutely clear that that teleport solves a really, really big problem that a lot of people are experiencing like day to day. And we need to focus the company's attention on teleport simply because opportunity is so huge. Like mark my words, I don't believe that five years from now it will be the norm for companies to manage access for every single protocol, for every single layer in their stack. Like it's going to go away. Like the, the way you're accessing databases, Kubernetes clusters, even internal web apps or SSH server is going to be through same proxy. That needs to be identity aware. That is what we believe will be true. So, and if everyone will be using it, and if we are the best solution out there, so we need to focus on it and completely own the space. That's what we've decided. And um, since we've migrated all of our engineering efforts from our previous project to Teleport, we nearly doubled the size of product in less than a year. So we originally only supported two protocols, SSH and Kubernetes API. Because Kubernetes, accessing Kubernetes is the exact same problem that with SSH, you have many clusters and they have different permissions and how do you make sure it's all synchronized and so on and so forth. So we added support for two databases in just a few months, uh, Postgres and MySQL. We're rolling out MongoDB support soon. We've added support for HTTPS, meaning that if you have your internal web app, something like Jenkins or Grafana dashboard, and you have plenty of those sprinkled all over your infrastructure. So how do you centralize access to all of these internal web apps without having to expose every single one with you know load balancer, X509 certificate, public IP, and so on and so forth? So all of that was launched in the last few months. So it's extremely exciting. So the product is growing very, very quickly. And But there are, again, plenty to do. There are so many different things people run inside of their VPCs and cloud accounts and... Once you experience teleport for SSH, you want it for everything else you want that you're using. So we need to build more, build faster, without sacrificing quality, of course. <laughs> and tell us about the teleport community. I mean, you um, you've got this strong team building a bunch of product, and I'm impressed at the uh, GitHub stars, which is just one metric. But but there's like some a lot of people have discovered this thing and seem excited about it. But at the same time, there's not a lot of, uh, like if I want to go hang out with the teleport community, you know, that, that's still in its infancy, it sounds like. Guilty us as charged. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think it maybe has to do with uh, DNA or personalities of like the founding engineers on a project, right? Yeah. So if you if you go and do Git log on teleport source code and you start looking at the like, first three contributors, like people who like our CTO, Sasha, and a couple of other engineers, they're not particularly visible out there. Some of them actually extremely pro-privacy. We as a company, it were, like in the early days particularly, we were extremely introverted. Most teleport contributors prefer to be coding as opposed to be visible at conferences or on IRC or on Twitter or something like this. So this is slowly changing. So we uh, just recently launched public Slack channel for Teleport users, and it instantly got like hundreds of people. Like they showed up out yeah. of nowhere. I don't even know how they discovered. Uh, I think it's because we added 
uh, Slack uh, channel to the README that's on GitHub. I don't even think we have it on our website. So we're slowly learning how to enable community to exist, how to kind of build this relationship. So we need to rapidly get better because even companies that pay us money, like enterprise users, they have support, they have account managers, they enjoy amazing treatment by teleport team, but they still want to interact with the community. Maybe for variety of, like that's why community is a call community. It's the it's just a, a place for people who have something in common, like to hang out and have a good time. So yeah, we need to absolutely be better at building our community and interacting with it. And what's uh, the future hold for Teleport from here? Having kind of heard the story and about this big year, what gets you excited about the next year or two of Teleport? So one interesting thing is that we will go back to our roots a little bit. Remember, I started my career as uh, building desktop software for Windows. So, and apparently east of Silicon Valley, half the world runs on Windows. So uh, Windows support, support for protocols like RDP. It's on the near roadmap. So this is something we're actively working on. So then we get a lot of requests from users to support more and more database types. Because on one hand, data is why we actually do computing. It's the most valuable thing. Like that's really what computers do. They transform one data sets into another. And companies these days, they have a variety of databases in different locations. So if you if you want to make sense of this data, you have to have convenient access to it. Because if everyone in the organization is getting access denied to all the valuable data you've collected, then what's the point then? So that's another um, obvious uh, vector for uh, teleport to be evolving. And I also believe that we could always, if we just remember where it all came out of the frustration with complexity, I want teleport to continue to be simpler and easier and easier to get started with. So basically user experience and making it appealing, not just to you know security professionals or uh, very experienced DevOps people. Like I want a 14 year old to be enjoying teleport. Like you get yourself your first DigitalOcean account when you try to get into cloud computing. Teleport should be obvious way how you access everything that's inside instead of you building your own kind of jump host following tutorials where you don't even understand what you're copy pasting. That's what um, the future holds, the near future holds for teleport and, and, and the team. Yeah. And and in the community, sounds like that will be turning a corner here as well. So you've got the Slack channel live and you'll be doing further engagement there. And and I'm imagining like for listeners who, who you know, a few of them love teleport and, and want to meet each other. And then for those who don't want to kind of jump in, the, the Slack channel is kind of the place to go for now. Yeah, absolutely. I think the best place to start tinkering with teleport and understanding how it works is probably go to... Uh, to GitHub page, if you, you could Google like GitHub teleport association and these keywords, you'll find it. Or you can just go to goteleport.com and from there you can go to the open source area. And what's what's the state of outside contributors? Is there a place for that here? Absolutely, absolutely. So it's um, having a project in the open is, is, is quite a responsibility because on, on one hand, you need to make sure that only quality contributions get in. Because look, it's a security product. If someone is using Teleport, that basically controls access to everything you have. So the uh, security angle and just overall 
kind of level, like the weight of this responsibility is enormous. But on the other hand, you want to be nice to people. Like we've had examples where college students that are working on a project, for example, learning something, like they would send us a contribution. So they don't want to be discouraged. I want people to be excited about uh, programming, first of all, but also be excited about participating. But at the same time, it's unrealistic for a college student to just expect them to have top quality contribution into a project like Teleport. So working with contributors, working with them on improving quality of the pull requests, it's, it's extremely important. So we try to balance all of these considerations, but it's not always easy. Sometimes people are not aware that having a popular open source project out there creates this tension, but it's unavoidable and it's a sign of something good. So you just have to be very uh, pragmatic and just be nice to people when you go through this. And it, and it sounds like your approach isn't to just uh, kind of ignore outside contributions. It's to engage with those contributions as they come in and improve them to the point where they're ready to go in the project. Yes, yes. I, I do believe that uh, like one of uh, backends that Teleport supports for storing audit uh, for MongoDB, I believe came from the community that we had to go back and forth to, to make sure that like the kind of compliance and security constraints that we have there they're still addressed. So, uh, yeah, we we also learning how to get better at it. Yeah, it's 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 a balancing act. Fantastic. Well, you've 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 done great so far. I have all the confidence you'll you'll continue to navigate the balance. Well, well, we will do our best. Ev, thanks for coming today. Go find Ev on uh, on Slack and GitHub, and and we'll catch up with you later. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Find today's show notes and past episodes at contributor.fyi. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. <laughs>